Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's Minor League Podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos and Thomas Henderson. Ken is missing because he got engaged, so congratulations, Ken. Go, Ken. And I think I'm also going to have to um, change my like introduction text here because I believe it's now Dr. Lucas Vlahos. Yes, um... I think not technically until I submit uh, like the actual thesis document, but I defended. I'm basically free. <laughs> Ray. Yes, congratulations to Ken and and Lucas and Thomas. Are we losers? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> oh boy. Oh well. I mean, Ken's Look, the it, real winner it, here. Let's be real. It's about balance in, in life. There's two winners and two losers. So it's true. If if daytime sports talk radio and TV has taught me anything, it's that if someone wins, there has there's always has to be a winner and a loser. So, <laughs> so true. Also, that yelling louder makes you smarter. Um, also those, true. those would be the two big takeaways there. Yes. All right, um, so promote extend trade this week. And on today's date back in 1910, the Shoshone Dam was built. And it was later renamed the Buffalo Bill Dam, which is, I think, a much cooler name. But 
the Shoshone Dam slash Buffalo Bill Dam would have the distinction of being the tallest dam in the U.S. until the Hoover Dam. Yeah, the Hoover Dam is built. So promote, extend, or trade. The NCR, Caesars Legion, or Mr. House. (laughs) Ah, this is very topical because uh, my... uh... I, uh, basically, over the past three months, as I've been finishing the PhD, I kept building up this list of games I wanted to play during my post-defense period, and uh, New Vegas is one of them. The second I finished Disco Elysium here, so you've never this played is... New Vegas? Or oh no, about... I have. I oh, okay, have. I was about to say, like, wait a minute, man. I've never. This played is where Disco friend of the podcast Rich would come yes. in handy because yeah. <laughs> he loves he loves New Vegas. New Vegas is fantastic. Um, I will say I've never done a Legion run. Um, Me neither. I always kill them. <laughs> like it's it's very light because half the content is missing. Like they I, actually just never finished it. I appreciate that they're they they are the baddies, right? Like they do slavery and crucifixion, and that's bad. <laughs> really? Okay. Cot take, I'm sure. <laughs> Breaking uh, news from from the podcast. Yes, yes, but they're well written, and there's like they're not just oh we're evil. They they have a uh, some semblance of a logic behind them, and the NCR sucks too. So there's at least a modicum of of doubt involved there. But I've never played as the Legion. It's. Like I said, it's just, there's so much there's so much more content if you do the NCR ending or if you do a Yes Man Mr. House ending. Caesar's Legion is just like you do the main quest to kind of align yourself with them, and then it's basically end game. Like you know, you could do the side quest, but that's basically it. Well, the boomers will yeah. fight for anyone. That is true. Uh, you you didn't say you didn't give us yes man as a choice, did you? You said Mr. House. No, Mr. House slash yes man. Oh. An an independent New Vegas. Hmm. That depends if I let the double centigenarian decabillionaire dude live or not, you know. Everything's telling me I really shouldn't. I mean it was through his uh light touch that guided new vegas to where it was light touch yes how convenient <laughs> that that light touch has him at the top of the pyramid of power you know just pure happenstance well would you design a system in which you suck <laughs> yeah i mean that's that's kind of true i don't know i the the both the the good and bad thing uh about new vegas like this is its beauty is that there are no great choices i think yes like Mm -hmm. that's both a sign of like really well-written content and also like no matter what you do you're left a little bit unsatisfied it's like you can't get up you can't get the quote unquote perfect ending and i think that's very reminiscent of the game itself or representative representative of the game itself like it's kind of shitty no matter what happens Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. um I think I might say NCR because I I've always interpreted my interpretation has always been that if you do an independent Vegas eventually they're fucked anyway just because they're too small to survive on their own but who point. knows if that interpretation is correct I think the last time I did independent Vegas the last time I played but it's been a, it's been a minute 
I've never let, like I said, I've never, like you said too, I mean, I've never done a, a Legion run. Cause I just feel like every time I'm like about to, I just play, like I talk to them and I'm like, ew, I don't, I don't want to be like that. So yeah, like, no, I mean, <laughs> this, is like that, to, this is like I'm that, this is like that Bioware statistic they published about Mass Effect. It's like, yeah, 92% of people just do all the Paragon shit. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, Cause I like, when I first played Mass Effect, I would do, I did a Paragon and a Renegade run. Mm-hmm. And when you're when you do a renegade run, you're just like mean. Like yeah, you're just like, a dick. Yeah. <laughs> like like you're not you're not like an anti-hero or you're not doing things for the greater good. You're just kind of like an asshole to people. And I'm like, what? Why? <laughs> it's like, definitely if doing, harder. If you're doing anti-hero stuff, I'm like, okay, I can understand that. Like you're you're putting the 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 galaxy ahead of the individual, whatever. I could get behind that as a as a narrative, even if I wouldn't do it myself, but. Like you're just being a dick. Just like no, please, I don't. I, why? Like it's already bad. Everything is already going to shit. Yeah, it's listen. You gotta do what you gotta do for the trophies. <laughs> That's my wrong. view. I mean, I, I've allied myself. I, I've crucified a few people for the trophies. I've you know sacrificed degenerates like you belong yeah. on a cross. I've sacrificed people to the Daedric gods for the trophies. Like you gotta do, what you gotta do. Mm-hmm. I'm a completionist. I will. I'll admit I've never completed Skyrim because I didn't complete it before I learned how to mod it, and now I refuse to play unmodded Skyrim. Mm. Yeah, I would not either. If I if once I had those opportunities given to me, and so I just stick to PlayStation, put the blinders on. I don't know nothing. This is what they give me, and that's all I. Got. Yeah, <laughs> I, play Skyrim, I play Skyrim on my PS3. It was screaming for for mercy. Help me! <laughs> that's actually what I built my first gaming PC to play was was Skyrim way back in high school. Uh, and then everything went south from there, you know. <laughs> yep. And now here we are. Mm-hmm. Getting back to your original question, I'll go NCR independent and then uh, 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 Legion last, obviously. Yeah, I'll do free NCR and trade Legion. Mm. The NCR sucks, though, man. I hate them. They started off good and then just lost the plot somewhere. All right. um, So first up this week, if you look at the date... Although I guess when you listen to this tomorrow, it's going to be January 16th. But as we record right now, it's January 15th. And that means that today marks the first day of the 2023 international signing period. The first time that uh, teams can officially sign the international rookies that they've already had locked up in agreements for like years now. Mm -hmm. So the Mets have a pool of roughly $5.2 million this year. And they are... They were connected to three players who were considered to be like the the cream of the crop. And, you know, lo and behold, they they wound up signing those guys. That's crazy, huh? Mm-hmm. I'm shocked. I'm, I'm shocked. Yeah. Gambling in this institution? Establishment? <laughs> <laughs> Your prospects, sir. All right. Uh, so the first kid, the, the, the most highest regarded kid um, and the one that got the, the highest signing bonus, $1.9 million dollars. He is a Venezuelan catcher named Davison Gutierrez. And the last Venezuelan catcher that the Mets signed, that that kind of has worked out pretty good. So I guess you might as well go back to the well, right? Sure, um, why not? Yeah. 
Reports about Gutierrez are actually pretty reminiscent of Alvarez. It's not just that they are both catchers and that they are both from Venezuela. Uh, according to Ben Badler, who is by by far the best in the business when it comes to this topic, uh, Gutierrez is an advanced hitter for his age. He has a good hit tool. Um, he shows like major batting practice power, and we're all crossing our fingers that that he's able to tap into it um, during in-game situations in the future. Uh, he's not like an aggressive hacker at the plate. He he has like a, a good sense of the strike zone and he knows what to what to chase, what not to chase. That's not that doesn't sound right, but he knows what to go after and what not to chase. Um, behind the plate, defensively, he still needs work, but you know he is literally you know 16. It's okay. He has uh, plenty of time to improve. He's got a good arm. Um, needs to work on his blocking and receiving, but again, what literally recent what, uh, high school level catcher? Yeah, catcher, uh, it doesn't have to do that. It's just basically he needs more repetition in professional mm-hmm. setting, um, which he will definitely get. He's pretty athletic. He's six two, two hundred five pounds, so he should stick at catcher. You know, I don't think we're gonna have any worries about kind of like Alvarez, where he's getting a little too. Uh, Thick to oomp, stay there. Oompa to, to take uh, Ken's uh, nickname, the Oompa Loompa there. No, no Oompa Loompa ing. So, um, you know, sounds promising with Gutierrez. Uh, the Mets signed another Venezuelan player. This guy's a shortstop, Christopher Larez. He got $1.5 million. Um, his birthday is actually a couple of days ago on the, on the 10th, so. Getting a cool $1.5 million is definitely a good birthday present, I think. Sure. I, I, I think you'd take that mm-hmm. as a birthday present. Mm-hmm. Um, he's considered to be one of the more polished uh, hitters in the, the rookie class in the Caribbean this year. He has pretty good bat on ball skills, not just in batting practice, but also in like uh, live pitching drills. Doesn't show too much power right now. You know, he could pull the ball to, to deep center occasionally over the over the wall, but power is going to come as he uh, gets old and develops. Defensively, he should 100% stick at shortstop. Um, he has an above-average arm. He has range. You know, a shortstop with decent power and a good hit tool, that's like the, the, the white whale. It's the unicorn player here, so crossing our fingers that he turns into that odds are he is not but you know what it's you know hope springs eternal and the last major player that they signed he is not from venezuela he's a center fielder from the dominican republic anthony baptiste he got 1.1 million dollars uh his carrying tool is his speed uh he is a plus plus runner he's clocked in at 6.1 in the 60 yard dash which is like Jeez. plus 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 yeah know. Pretty fast. Um, he is, you know, his, his offensive game is centered around that speed. He, you know, just puts the ball in play and runs around the bases real fast. Um, doesn't have too much power right now. Presumably he is going to, to grow into some power because he's listed right now at 5'10", 150 pounds. So, if he doesn't put on power, uh, if he doesn't put on some weight, he like needs to go to the hospital because <laughs> that's scary. <laughs> yeah, he's tiny. I mean, 5'10", 150 pounds is like 
Jeez. Um, he's a center fielder with that kind of speed. Obviously, he's a center fielder. Um, similar to like Gutierrez, where you know he just needs more reps to improve. Same thing with Baptiste. He just needs to improve his read off the ball, his roots in the outfield, and that's the kind of stuff that just comes with you know more repetition and experience out there. With that bad of speed, how bad would your reads have to be to not be a center fielder? Yeah, I know. <laughs> like how how catastrophically awful. You, you you need to have eyesight bad enough where you can't like track the ball. <laughs> you just like, run I'm, the I'm wrong way. Even, I'm I'm not even kidding because I have really bad depth perception, so pop flies and fly balls were a big problem for me. Right. And right. like it would have to be like that because of like the way my eyes are set up. Mm-hmm. It's like Hansel like, Robles have... giving up a home run kind of poor reads. <laughs> Basically, because like he's just too fast. Because mm-hmm. I, I played with a few guys who were really fast and their routes were always whatever, but it didn't matter because they would take an inefficient route and be under the ball anyway. So mm-hmm. who, who cares? You know what I mean? Like who cares? Exactly. And then to to just icing on the cake, he also has a, an above average arm. So... But how's his bunt skills? Like mm. that's 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 the important question. I would hope that it's you know <laughs> I would hope that the Mets focus on his bunting. I mean bring bring bunting back. Triple B baby, bring bunting back. But um of those guys, those three guys, that's basically four and a half million dollars from their pool. So they have about seven hundred thousand dollars left to spend. Um among all the other players that they're going to be signing. They also have the option of trading for more uh, pool money if they want to. But at this point, all the guys that are considered like the cream of the crop and are going to need like big amounts of money to sign, they're already signed. So They also signed a Cuban pitcher, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. they've, they've already they're- signed. In addition to these three guys, they've signed kind of lesser guys. Um, they've signed a Cuban pitchers, one or two other infielders, uh, one or two other outfielders. They weren't considered by MLB or Baseball America to be like that cream of the crop, top 30, top 50, whatever. So, yeah, I was just like making sure I had remembered that correctly. But among that, you know, $700,000, it'll go to that guy. His name is David Hurtado. He's a left-handed pitcher from Cuba. There's also... Heriberto Rincon, who's an outfielder from the Dominican Republic, and Anderson Asensio, who's another outfielder from the Dominican Republic. Obviously, there's going to be a bunch of guys that don't ever get reported because they are, you know, uh, marginal. They're considered marginal talents and get bonuses that are on the on the small side. So, but yeah. Um, as always, it's just good to know these names, good to know what kind of players these are, and then just forget about them because it's going to be a while before you start seeing them in St. Lucie in the complex or St. Lucie Mets or Brooklyn, whatever. So it's going to be a while before we can get some more meaningful data on these guys and gauge their skills and how they're developing and all that kind of stuff. But new additions to the farm system. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So back to the Mets farm system now. Last week, we started our review of the 2023 top prospect lists, and we reviewed number 25, William Lugo, number 24, Simon Juan, number 23, Eric Orzi, number 22, Willie Fanyas, and number 21, Junior Santos. So we are going to pick it up this week with our number 20 prospect, shortstop Jesus Baez. And it really is not much to say about Baez. Today is literally his one-year anniversary of going pro. He got signed on January 15th last year. So he has exactly one season under his belt. He played in the DSL last year. And over the 54 games that he played that's over the summer, he, he hit 242, 341, 403, with seven home runs, eight stolen bases in 14 attempts, and 26 walks to 46 strikeouts. He did get a massive amount of helium because of that performance, and rightfully so, because those are pretty good numbers. I mean, seven home runs in 54 games is great. Eight stolen bases in 14 attempts. 54% success rate, not that great, but, you know, hey, whatever. And and the walk-to-strikeout ratio is, is strong. You know, they're DSL stats, so the exact numbers don't matter as much as, like, the underlying stuff that they represent. He's got massive power. He's got speed. He's got a decent eye uh, relative to his age and level. Add to the mix, he's a shortstop with plenty of range and like an above average, almost plus arm. And he should stick there. And, uh, you know, like I was saying before about the, those white whale shortstops that hit for average yeah. power, everything. That's what Baez could be in theory. And he showed a little bit in the professional level, which is nice to see. He showed more than uh, Juan or Fanyas. Uh, he did, yeah, mm-hmm. which is why mm-hmm. he's higher. Because, like, while his prospect cachet wasn't as high, his actual performances were better. That's what makes so that that's what makes. I mean, it's always difficult to kind of gauge players' talent levels and put them in like ordinal lists when you're talking about like high school players or, or college players, because there's just so much like, you know, variance and stuff. Yeah. But add to that. Now, now look at in a system that's just like international players, you have even more variance. You have a lot more funky funkiness going on, you know? So how many times do you hear about guys that get like, you know, millions of dollars signing bonuses flaming out and then guys, you know, like uh, someone like we're, we're going to talk about a little later, Jose Budo, who got, you know, kind of pennies on the dollar. And he's, you know, developed pretty well. Rafael Montero. 
Henry Mejia, guys that were not considered like major players when they were signed, they turned into something. Mets legend Gregory Guerrero. Oh, Gregory Guerrero. Another one of the Guerrero kids signed today, which is crazy yeah. that there are more of them. And they're still so, did, so did Juan Uribe Jr. sign today. No. Yeah, <laughs> really? With the White Sox, yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. So yeah, you know, a guy like a guy like Baez, you know, getting signed, you, you don't even hear of him, you've never heard of him before, and then a year later, all of a sudden, he's like, he's a somebody, and that's how it goes with in the international free agent market. All right, um, next up on the list, number nineteen, is Bryce Montes de Oca, and I remember thinking that he'd be like a fun and interesting guy to draft as a high school player, and that was back in 2014, and. It's crazy when you think about it that that he's been around for like almost a decade, basically. Yeah. Uh, White Sox drafted him at a high school in 2014. He didn't sign. He went to the University of Missouri, and he was basically injured and effect- ineffective for most of the time that he pitched there. And honestly, that's kind of been the the story of his career. Um, he got drafted by the Nationals in seven in 2017 as a junior. Did not sign. Got drafted by the Mets in 2018 as a senior. Obviously, he did sign. Um, it would take him a couple of years to actually pitch for the Mets. He he didn't actually throw a single pitch, official pitch for the Mets until 2021 because um, injuries in 2018, injuries in 2019, and then 2020 COVID happened and the season was canceled and everything. So he threw his first professional pitches uh, with the Brooklyn Cyclones, the Binghamton Rumble Ponies in 2021, he was eh. And then this past season, he pitched for Binghamton and Syracuse, and it was a little bit better. And then he got a cup of coffee at the Mets at the end of the season. He hurt himself. I forget what he did to himself, but that was basically his shot. Um, he didn't ruin it. I'm not going to say he ruined his shot because I think he's no, yeah. 100% going to get you know looks next year, but. His, it's just more story of his career. Yeah, so. just just more story of his career, exactly. But he is a guy that his his career, his future, everything literally feels like it's on the edge of a knife and could go either way. He's got massive stuff, but he's got a long history of injuries and ineffectiveness. And, you know, when he's on, he's on. But when he's off, he's off. Um Big time power pitcher. He's a his fastball hovers in the in the mid 90s, could touch high 90s and, and the hundreds. He pairs it with a cutter and a power slider. And when he's able to throw those things in the strike zone or at least a little close to the strike zone, you know he could be like a devastating pitcher. But when his control's out of whack, he's the kind of guy that's like liable of just giving up multiple walks in an inning and just kind of everything spiraling out of control. And that's why his career um, walk per nine rate is 6.9, which is not nice, but not so on one hand, it's nice. On the other hand. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of risk with him, but, you know, a lot of potential reward, too. And at the end of the day, I mean, he is a relief pitcher and those guys are very fungible. Stick him in the bullpen in a not very high leverage role. See if he does. If he takes to it, great. If he doesn't, you send him back down, and you know maybe he figures it out. Maybe he doesn't. Yeah, we'll see him in, in the majors this year. Mm-hmm. Again, until 
something happens. It's just when is it going to happen? Injury-wise, it seems at this point. And the thing that sucks is I think actually like I like his stuff. Like watching when he's good, he looks great. Even he had a really effective major league innings last year. Like he has major league stuff. Mm -hmm. He doesn't know where it's going, and then he gets hurt. So it's a it's a rough combination. The delivery is a little ugly. Oh yeah, it's not pretty, but I think that also doesn't help with the injuries. I mean, I think that is the reason he keeps getting, or one of the reasons. Yeah. Like, it's not as bad as Marcos Molina's, but it's pretty ugly. I mean, Marcos Molina's is just objectively bad. I mean, Marcos Molina's delivery is like the worst thing I've ever seen a pitcher do to themselves. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know how we threw one pitch, let alone literally just stand there yeah. and throw as hard as you can with your arm only. I feel like you do that three times and your arm is going with the ball to the catcher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Um, next up now, number 18 is Lionel Avias, and he signed with the Mets in November 2019. Um, like we were just kind of saying before, he signed for a relatively minimal amount um, in November. So he was kind of right in the middle of the 2019-2020 uh, international free agent signing period and wasn't really considered a uh, big-time prospect or anything like that. Definitely was not the best time to sign professionally because, you know, then obviously 2020, the season got canceled. So he made his professional debut in 2021, and he looked good in the DSL. And then he came stateside this past season. From June to August, he played with the FCL Mets. And then in September, he got promoted to St. Lucie Mets, and he finished the season up with them. Put up great numbers in the complex. He had a 276 ERA. In 29.1 innings with 26 hits allowed, five walks, and 44 strikeouts. But got promoted, struggled a little bit. Um, in St. Lucie, he posted a 623 ERA in 17.1 innings with 15 hits allowed, 12 walks, and 22 strikeouts. So basically, everything took a step back except for the uh, strikeout rates. Although that, I mean, it was still a good strikeout rate, but that also did take a step back too. Uh, the stats on, on the surface. You know, they're solid, but they don't really pop out at you. You know, a, a 405 ERA, it's whatever. Um, 46.2 innings, majority of them were out of the bullpen. Eh. Almost a hit in inning. Eh. 17 walks is solid, but like not crazy good. The strikeouts, though, great strikeout rate. 66 strikeouts and 46.2 innings. That's a 12.7 strikeout per nine rate. And it's probably legit. Um, his fastball averaged 94 miles an hour in St. Lucie. It, it ranged 88 to 95. And it has a high spin rate. Its spin rate um, averaged 2,550 rotations per minute, RPM. And, you know, high velocity and high spin rate, recipe for success. Um, he's got a good fastball. He's got a curveball and a slider, and they also have good underlying data. The curveball sits in the in the mid 70s, the low 80s, above average spin. Slider sits in the low 80s, above average spin as well. You know, there's a lot to like. Um, the track record isn't particularly long, and there was that noticeable drop in in uh, quality when he got promoted from the FCL Mets to St. Lucie Mets. So he is hoping that he has a strong 2023 season. Literally just, I mean, we say this about a lot of dudes, I think. Like, he needs a grade of command, and he's really good. 
I think it's okay. less likely for Montes de Oka to get that grade than a lot of guys. I also, at this point with him, with Montes de Oka, not to go back, I feel like he is what he is. Like, he's a little older. Sorry, I down, just said, I completely said the wrong name. My bad. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I thought you were comparing them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I thought, them. yeah, no, it's, it's still topical, you know. You could have let that skate right on by. <laughs> yep. yep. No, I, I'll, I'll, I'll own my mistake. Look, my brain is still kind of mush. I'm not going to lie. So, um, yeah. So I, to, to make it topical, a guy like Bryce Montes de Oka, he is what he is. He's in his mid to late 20s. Mm-hmm. A guy like Lionel Avayes, I think he is 20 or just turned 20 and is turning 21, whatever. He's still young. You can mm-hmm. you can tweak things and improve. Yeah. Yeah, and, and like, go ahead. Thomas. I feel like we'd be we'd be talking about him in a bit of a higher light if he made if he got more money in the IFA market. Like, I just uh-huh. think that's uh-huh. one of these things where he's kind of looked at as a lower end IFA guy, so therefore it's going to take him a little bit longer. But like he he was great, and then he got promoted, and the underlying stuff was solid. Even if the it's probably a, a it's a big adjustment life wise. It's a big adjustment off the field. It's a big everyone's a little bit better than what you were facing. So he could probably not throw the same pitches that he was before. And they were getting the ones that some 16 year old or 17 year old were swinging through the, the guy at St. in rookie ball is not swinging through them. You know, mm-hmm. like, I, mean, I feel just, like this is a legitimate open question as to how much should we actually care about pedigree when talking about these IFA dudes, because like that some of the top guys work out certainly, but so often this money is predetermined when they're, 14 or whatever with no third party scouting information and then we lean on that as a proxy for how good they actually are even if the data we see doesn't support it and conversely if a guy didn't get a lot of money we assume oh well maybe this is fluky or it's not sustainable or or what have you so i mean i think there's a legitimate argue we care argument we care too much about how much these guys originally signed for when in reality like how does he actually look now and yeah he looks better than the guys who signed for more money than him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I forget who the player was. I think it was someone in the list last year. But I vaguely remember, like, we were having a discussion about how we kind of have a bias towards players that we have more information about than we do about, you know, uh, about the, the players that we don't. So a mm-hmm. um, perfect example right here is a player who has been scouted more heavily in in the press, has more information out there about them, signs for a, a higher amount of money, which isn't, you know, which is, is dependent on a whole bunch of factors and not necessarily just the player's individual talent. You know, a team like the Mets might be willing to spend more or blow their bonus cap than a, a team like, you know, the, the Orioles or the Pirates or right. all those other cheap teams. I mean, the Orioles are not so cheap in the IFA market anymore, but yes, the historical Orioles under Angelos who, due to principles, due to their strong conviction in the flaws of the IFA market, just refuse to spend money there. (laughs) That's that's the reason. It's also like these kids are just so young. Like, Mm -hmm. like how many times do you look at like 24-7's college football quarterback rankings and there's some five-star quarterbacks who you're like, who the hell is that? Because some three- or four-star guy ended up going to a school and doing better because they grew, you know? Like, And then that five-star quarterback who was in college is actually is actually bad. Then that really five-star quarterback loses to a Georgia quarterback with two last names. 
<laughs> exactly. Like it's it's stuff like that, and and it's not always the case. Like a lot of times, the the Trevor Lawrence comes out is the five star quarterback and wins all the time, and then is a star. Well, he looks like he's going to be. So like sometimes that happens, but also sometimes the other side happens too, and we just have to take them individually. We have to take these guys case by case, I think. Mm-hmm. And if That's a guy doesn't make a lot of money in IFA it happens and also Alvarez made a ton of money like he was one of the highest paid Mets ever right in the yeah, IFA market and now <laughs> and now look at him he's he's literally their best prospect so yeah I mean it does work out that way there is definitely a correlation between the amount of money that a team is gonna give a player but it's not a 100% concrete correlation there's a lot more to it than just that because obviously if a team sees a guy that's like you know a kid throws 80 miles an hour and he's crappy mechanics but there's something about him they like they're not going to throw millions of dollars at him so there is a yeah. correlation it's just not a uh i mean it is a major but it, there there's a correlation but there's also a lot of other things too it's a very noisy it's, correlation so there is, oh yes that's that is a great way of putting it. It's just everyone involved is too young for us to be making sweeping docla- uh, declarations about how they will be when they're older. Mm-hmm. I mean, like we were saying before, hopefully Anthony Baptiste puts on some pounds because 150 is not going to cut it as a uh, professional ball player. All right. Um, next up on the list, number 17, Jose Budo. And this past season, Budo posted a 3.56 ERA over 129 innings of the Binghamton Rumble Ponies and the Syracuse Mets. Majority of them were Binghamton. And the highlight of the season, obviously, was his call up to the Mets and the game that he pitched against the Phillies. But unfortunately, that highlight was probably also a low light because he just yeah. got hammered. He just got destroyed. Yeah, he Can you think of a possible worse matchup for Jose Budo in his first major league start? <sighs> No. You just everyone. I mean, like the 1929 Yankees, maybe like. Hey, come. Hey, kid, come face a lineup with fucking Cal Schwarber and Bryce Harper in it. Good luck. (laughs) That'll work. Yeah. I mean, when when you do that, then you give up seven earned runs over nine and nine hits over four innings. He at least struck out five guys over four innings. I mean, you got to look at the positives, I guess. But. Also, it's Kyle Schwarber, so he he strikes out. he has that dog in him, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's won that game. Yeah, the wins. The wins are the most important pitcher stat, don't you know? That is true. Win <laughs> method. Win method. Um, I'm gonna be honest. I never liked Jose Budo. I still don't. <laughs> uh, first time I, first time I saw him was 2018, and it was with the Cyclones. I don't remember who it was. Someone, you know, was like saying the organization is raving about him and that he's gonna be one of the best arms in the system. And the dude that I was seeing was throwing like 88 miles an hour fastball in Brooklyn and Columbia. And I was just like, no, this guy is not good. Credit where credit is due, though. He he got better. You know, the Jose Budo pre-pandemic is a much different pitcher from Jose Budo mm-hmm. post-pandemic. He he went from a, an 88 to 90 mile per hour fastball to like a 92 to 94 mile per hour fastball. And that's. Uh, I forget where I read it. Some some. Probably fan graphs, I guess, but they did a study where like the most impactful velocity gains are from like 90 to add, adding a little bit from like 90 to 92 to like 92 sense. to 94. 
Sure, I could buy that because you go from like not a viable fastball to right. This isn't a, isn't great, but it will like you could survive with it. Yeah. If you're throwing like a Jamie Moyer fastball, it's like so weird that it's going to kind of be effective. And if you're throwing like 99 plus, it just physically like physiologically the human body just can't do that. So like in that you know low 90s to mid 90s range, adding velocity there is most effective. But that's that's exactly what Budo did. He was able to improve that fastball, and when his fastball improved, so did his changeup because the relationship between a fastball and a changeup. Um, I I mean we saw what the Phillies did to him, and I don't want to say that Budo still has more to develop because. He's pretty much like a finished product. Like he's he's gotten plenty of twenty three, maybe. Okay. Maybe put him in the bullpen at some point. Yeah, that's that's. I think his future is in. Does he have the kind of stuff that really plays up in the bullpen? No, (laughs) he doesn't. I think that's why. I think that's why he hasn't been put in the bullpen yet because he does. Because I mean, unless he's. Going out like Trevor Hoffman, he's it's you're gonna had be hard pressed to find a change up heavy reliever, you know. Mm-hmm. It's I it it is the only viable option for him, I think, as a major league pitcher, and it's it's a long and winding road for him to be able to 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 get there. It's I don't know. It's he's in a weird spot because I think the changeup is legitimately good. I think it's mm-hmm. a legitimately good pitch, but. I don't know what you do with that because if it was a slider, then you just tell him just 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 do that, go to the bullpen and do that, and that'll work as like a sixth or inning guy or whatever. But like, are you going to tell him to spam changeups in the sixth inning of a game? Like, what is that going to do for anyone? I mean, he's not. It's, he's just, not, it's not even like as good a changeup as that reliever on the Orioles last year, Valdez, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and he, he was wasn't like, even good. Yeah, he had like a he ended he was their closer for a minute and it was like working and then it stopped working because. Yep. Like at, at at some point that pitch just needs other things along with it to be viable. Mm-hmm. Like Johan, I, I know this is a crazy comp to talk about Johan here, but Johan Santana had a great changeup, but he had other plus pitches too that he worked off of. You know, like mm-hmm. hey, Pedro threw like what high nineties for a good bit there. So exactly, like there's there's other things you need if you're gonna have it be a changeup guy and budo doesn't really have them so i don't really know what you do with him it's such a weird spot because the pitch is legitimately good he even flashed it in that start a few times like it was there a few for a few at bats i'm like oh yes there's that pitch but it doesn't really matter because bryce harper will just wait for it <laughs> bryce harper does <laughs> yeah. not care about your changeups. He, he he doesn't because there's not another thing off of it that would really make him worry about it so mm-hmm. i don't know i guess we'll see him as like the starting pitcher number eight if people get hurt yeah look jose if jose budo is your he might even be their ninth or tenth starter at this point unless they trade carrasco but if jose budo is your ninth or tenth starter that's fine mm-hmm. oh yeah like, totally fine i'm not gonna sit here and act like most teams have a better one <laughs> Because even the Dodgers at this point probably don't with the way I mean, Mets teams of recent vintage, though, might have had him as like their sixth or seventh starter. And then you're in trouble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not necess- I'm not upset with that. If he has to make a starter, too, I'll be upset that guys are hurt, obviously, and that sucks. But also. 
it is not a failure of roster construction. Agreed. That's just unlucky at that point because you've adequately buried him in the depth chart. All right. Well, speaking of unlucky, last prospect that we were going to discuss this week came in at number 16 on our list, Matthew Allen. Not really much, uh, not really much new news here. I mean, he still hasn't pitched since 2019. We haven't heard anything. Yeah. There was I mean, nothing during the season. There were no AFL whispers. There's been no all, like, hey, he looks great in the offseason. Nothing. Literally, yeah. if if someone who's not a follows prospects forgot about him, I would not be surprised. Because mm-hmm. like w- he's been off the radar for like two years. It's crazy. Yep. He didn't pitch 2020 because of COVID. Then he missed 2021 because of Tommy John. Then he missed 2022 because of the Tommy John recovery and ulnar transposition surgery. And, you know, he got to throwing off a flat round at the end of the season. So, I mean, he's not dead. That's good. He was actually throwing, but he wasn't up to the point where he could throw competitively in in the uh, like uh, the full instructional league or or in the AFL or anything like that. So and, I don't really know what to make of that. And correct me if I'm if I'm being too uh, galaxy brained or or conspiratory here, but I feel like he was a big enough prospect where if he was making those strides, they would be telling like Anthony DeCarlo yes. about it. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, like they, they they would be like, oh, he looks good in his offseason pro- or whatever. And it's it's pitchers and catches are in a month and we have not heard anything about him at all. Mm-hmm. So like someone would have been told, I think, if he's going to come to spring training and pitch. That, right. I mean, hey, hey, guess what? Remember Matthew Allen? Well, he's look at uh, look at how good he we're telling you how good he looks. It's nothing at all. Yeah, it's oh. it's best case scenario, like the recovery just kind of took longer and the Mets just want to be extra cautious. But worst case scenario is everything is just all fucked up. And that's it's not good. And the thing is, we have no idea. There's no yeah, way for we us have to know just complete media silence. And this isn't this isn't the kind of thing where you want the organization to be strategically silent on the issue. You know, it's no. not like negotiating with a free agent or or anything like that. Like this is kind of a uh, an innocuous kind of thing. Like, oh, can he <laughs> can he pitch? Is he <laughs> is this man alive? You know, can he physically throw the football? Met, uh, the football, the baseball mats. I'm watching football as I say this. Um, can he physically throw a baseball mats? Yes or no? Please answer. <laughs> and and right, like it's it's not like he is a Robert Dominguez where your casual reporter is not going to know and is not going to raise the question. I mean, he was the centerpiece of an entire draft. The Mets raved about him for, you know, plenty of time. When he did get the Tommy John, it got lots of media attention. And when he had to get the the um, UCL transposition, it also got, you know, coverage on mainstream news sites. So I don't know. On the plus yeah. side, a lot of guys have gotten this surgery and then came back and were fine. Oh, sure. He's not Both Mats and DeGrom had it, right? Yeah, literally two of them are the best pitchers in baseball, Wheeler and DeGrom. So. I thought you were going to say Stephen Mats and Jacob DeGrom. Yeah, no. Stephen Mats, <laughs> one of the greatest pitchers in baseball. You heard it here, folks. 
Just... While I am a fan of Matt's, I will not go that far. But yeah, I mean, Zach Wheeler had Tommy John and then had complications. Jacob DeGrom. I mean, his was had... really bad, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He was, the, he was the one getting the bone strengthening injections in his stomach or whatever the hell. It oh was. yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. That's right. He was getting he was getting the bone juice. Ah, the bone was, juice, which was my favorite. My only regret is that yeah. I have bonitis. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, it's possible that that the you know that it's just kind of uh, cross circuits here, and you know, Allen is fine, and he's going to come back next season and and dominate, but. On the, at the same time, the Mets have had failures, and majority of those guys are a bit more recent than, you know, the early 2010s, Zach Wheeler, Jacob DeGrom, and Steven Metz. I mean, in the last, like, five years or so, you've had Desmond Lindsay, Jacob Rame, Jordan Humphreys, Thomas Zipucky, with an asterisk, because we're not really sure about him, but all those guys basically had these same procedures, and they all kind of flamed out, so. Lindsay had this procedure? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a hitter. I, yeah. I forgot about Lindsay having a. Yeah, he's a hitter, so that kind of is different. But because I remember his legs were bad. That's, yep. yeah. that's what I remember about him. his everything was bad. Unfortunately, yeah, he was just he was just not in. in Poor good, guy. Uh, he couldn't handle the rigors, even though I liked him. Yep. I I thought it was an interesting pick. Just didn't work out. Shit happens. So yeah, I don't I don't know what to make of Allen, which. Definitely. Which, I mean, it, it sucks when any player just kind of flames out because of injury, but it's especially sucky because, I mean, we were talking about him as like a top three right. he player was, in, the, in the system. He was a top prospect. And let's say, you know, let's say everything goes the worst possible case scenario happens and he has to announce his retirement tomorrow because this, his elbow, he just wants to be able to open a door and, you know, he, he will not be able to do if he continues baseball activities. Your little entire draft in 2019, then, is just Brett Beatty, which he's a fine player, but that's not good returns when you're drafting 40 players and literally one of them, your very first yeah. pick, you know, they structured their entire draft around Beatty. I mean, excuse me, around Allen and, and being able to afford him and just not good. And then on the flip side, if he does come back and is himself again, it's like, wow, you got Beatty and Allen in one draft. Right. And then we're back to where we were. Exactly. Yeah. So. So, yeah, um, a lot of. Wasn't my bold prediction two or three years ago that he'd be like a top 50 prospect in baseball. Yep. And a lot of I think most of us were like, it's possible for sure. Like, that's not that bold. And then he has pitched since. <laughs> he had like, Allen pre-injury, and who knows what he's going to look like coming back from this. Had yeah, some incredible raw stuff. Yeah, had consistent delivery, delivery. Had more polish than you'd expect from this profile. Like it was everything you wanted in a prep-ready pitching prospect. I mean, one of the one of the most fun games I ever went to was the Cyclones championship game, and Allen yeah. came in middle middle relief pitched like two or three innings of scoreless relief. And the guy that he was pitching against on Lowell, I forgot his name. It's like Antilles, something Antilles. But he was literally like on a fucking roll, like an unbelievable roll. He had like 20 scoreless innings in the playoffs. He had like 40 strikeouts. He struck out like 15 consecutive batters in a row between like two He was a big games. reason why they won that, yeah, that championship. Yeah, like it, 
straight up. It was just Allen and him matching up for those couple of innings and just dominating everybody. It was just exciting. And, and you know, it, it's – minor league games are different from major league games. You know, it's kind of more fun and exciting than major league games are just like – it's a different type of fun and exciting. But to see Allen, like, just dominating the, 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 the spinners and those hitters, it's like, wow, like, this is fucking awesome. And he was in high school like two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And it was very easy to be like, oh, what if? Like, mm-hmm. what if he's 21 and in the majors because he could advance so fast? You know, and then he lost so much time and they got to almost have to reset the clock with him. Yeah. It's like just... um, uh, development wise almost. That's yeah, going to be I mean... another curious thing, too. What do you do with him? Like, where do you put him? Brooklyn again? Brooklyn, I guess, but. You could even make an argument to put him in St. Lucie to be like, hey, get on a mound. I mean, he's going to be 22. Let me look up. Oh, here it is right here. He's going to be 22 this upcoming season. If he starts off at St. Lucie, that's not – I mean, it is older for the level. I think the average of St. Not Lucie last year was 21. Anymore. Right. I mean – the average of St. Lucie, I think, last year was 21. So if he starts out the season at St. Lucie as a 22-year-old, you you got to look at more not as in age, but as in like experience and, and developmental yeah. time or whatever. And in that sense, he he fits. And if he succeeds, great. You could kind of move him. But I don't know. We don't even know if he'll be able to pitch. That's yeah. Yeah, we're getting our. Getting ahead of ourselves, unfortunately. Throwing off of a flat ground a couple of months ago is a lot of different ways that could go. So, but yeah, that'll that'll gonna that that's gonna be maybe the most the number one question of the upcoming season is how does Matt Allen do for prospects? I think so. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't really think anything else is. Yeah, even in the upper levels, because can Beatty lift the ball? Yeah, he might be in the majors. Yeah, There's no career happening. Like he might break that if he has a good camp. That'll be probably his job. I don't think Alvarez starts in the majors because it's a weird fit. But mm-hmm. that's just how how is his defense? Which it's fine. Get give him some reps. All right, so yeah, those are uh, that we're we're basically at the halfway point of our list. So it will get better, <laughs> kind of maybe. All right, if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you can send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Saipa. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. Ken is at Ken1191. Thomas is at said Met Season SZN. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Rate and review it. And of course, we thank you for listening. And we will be back next week. So until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets.